What's up, everybody? We're back with another episode of Guardians of the Future. No, uh, I was going to do a fancy intro and, and you know, try to piggyback something off of the Oscars and, uh, you know, slapping a podcast together at the last second today because we haven't recorded in a while. But I just didn't feel right, Willie. It just did not feel right doing that. Who would be the one doing the slap in here? Since my name <laughs> really, I think it's closest to Will. Yeah, that's true. I'd be I'd be the one getting getting uh, rocked, <laughs> as it were. Um, well, we haven't been, we haven't been uh, haven't been back for for a couple of weeks here. Uh, we've been working plugging away hard at the uh, prospect list, trying to plug the get that done and um, get all of our preseason content done before the season starts. So we're making some time to come back today uh, to do a quick podcast before the season starts. I imagine we'll be back next week for a kind of a season preview roundtable if we can. Um, got the YouTube link. I'm going to share it right now. Um, if you want to leave a comment uh, on the podcast to see, you know, to join us live as it were as well. Um We'll take some questions as well today. We have some people who are chiming in. We had a couple of good questions um, on this as well. Let's let's touch on a couple of things. So the ro- opening day roster is starting to take shape, Willie. Um, there's been a lot of moves in the last couple of days, sending guys down. Um, most notably today was – yesterday was uh, Gabriel Arias, uh, who did not make the opening day roster. Probably not really much of a surprise, to be honest, I don't think. But they are moving well, – today, I shouldn't say they're moving him, but today is the second day in a row as we record this that Ahmed Rosario is playing left field. That's a really interesting development because really it, it opens the door for, I guess now, is I thought it was going to be uh, Arias who might have a shot at that, but then the next day he was sent down. Uh, but I guess that leaves the door open for Jimenez to play short, and then you've got to figure out who's going to play second between Owen Miller and – Chang. So that makes things a little bit interesting. Not the way I thought things were going to go, but you know, here we are. Yeah, I uh, I suppose we might have to do another podcast if there's uh, breaking news on any signings or anything like that. <laughs> Let's be hopeful. I was going right? to save that for later, but we can we can do that whenever <laughs> you'd like. We can do that now. Do you want to do that now instead of the roster construction? No, we'll get into the roster construction. I was just throwing that out there. Just having a little bit of fun with it. Yeah, I have some things I want to talk about with regards to questions and contract talk and all that. But um, I don't know how this roster is going to shape up. I mean, Arius is down. Obviously, um, the other usual suspects were sent down. Nobody out of the ordinary. I know some people were, you know, mad about Oscar Gonzalez, but he was never going to be on the opening day roster. I think the real interesting thing to look at, though, is that, you know, like the the Royals are going to have. It sounds like they're going to have Bobby Wood Jr. on their opening day roster, and Detroit's going to have Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green, which is a surprise, and then Seattle's going to have Julio Rodriguez. 
I guess um, that Cleveland, uh, draft pick compensation tied to some of these young players is probably motivating some of these teams, I guess. You know, I, I don't know. Um, they may be thinking also that, hey, we can lock these guys up and this won't matter anyways with the with the extension later on. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking at the roster and I'm coming up with 27 people and trying to figure out how to add one more. And 27 includes Zimmer, and I don't know why you want to keep him around um, with the way he performed last year and so far this spring. So, you know, I think it's time to right. cut bait, move on, and save a million dollars. Heck, maybe they'll repurpose that somewhere else. Just put more incentives into Brian Shaw's contract. You don't got to put that anywhere else. <laughs> That's where you should do it. Just just throw another incentive in, uh, in Brian Shaw's contract, and let's call it a day, really. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're... it's another million you can offer elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, opening to, having a 28 man roster for April makes a lot of sense, but this ties into all the offseason confusion that their roster is just so strained. You know, you, you can't you can't DFA anybody really important. Like you can't. You know, do you risk putting on? And I don't think Tyler Freeman. Someone I saw someone suggest today about Tyler Freeman and Nolan Jones going on the sixth. And I said I don't. I don't think them are going to be hurt long enough to do that. And we don't know if Luke Maley is going to be hurt long enough to do that. I don't think so. They could try to stretch it if they needed to, and just uh, you know take their time rehabbing him. You know, do you risk putting Brian Lavastida on on the roster to start the year and have him sit? That's a tough question. Um. I mean, you could essentially use Lavastida as an emergency call-up and let him just kind of set the bench and let Hedges carry that. I don't know what the first part of the schedule looks like as far as days off to see if that's possible or not. Maybe give uh, Lavastida a day or two a week and and make Hedges carry the bulk of it. Um, definitely not idea. I get the sense that Sandy Leone will probably end up on the roster somehow. Uh, maybe you boot Zimmer to bring on Leon, which is, you know, it's not optimal. Um, it's either a strikeout king or a pass ball king. Either way, it's not uh, something you want to do. I tend to think if you're going to make or create a roster spot, I'm not putting Tyler Freeman and I'm not putting Nolan Jones on the 60-day DL. I don't have a problem doing that with guys who probably profile as relievers long-term anyways, such as Carlos Vargas and Cody Morris. Uh, they'll probably – get option back down anyways. Um, and when they are up, I, I don't think it really impacts, you know, their long-term with the organization. But when you look at Freeman and Jones, these guys are probably core components or hopefully they're core components of the organization's future. So I, I think they would be a lot more tentative to put them on the 60 day DL and give them that major league time right now, even though they're both likely to spend plenty of time in Columbus this year. Um, I don't think you want to start the clock on those everyday players. Now, you know, like I said, I, to me, the one move that stands out, which is Zimmer and finding out that Sam Henches has an option year that I did not know about until today. Um, that's a good thing. I was saying cut bait with him, but if you have to go, I mean, I, I think you have to carry a, a deeper bullpen just because the arms aren't stretched out anyways. And you're probably going to end up carrying a guy like Eli Morgan, a Connor Pilkington, and maybe even uh, Tobias Myers to give a little length and depth to the starting rotation. 
uh, with a few guys that can come in and log multiple innings, kind of piggyback off some of the starters, especially the first part here in April. Yeah, having the Sam Hentges thing definitely um, is a big bonus for him. You know, I don't really have a whole lot of um, faith that he's going to do anything with it, unfortunately. I mean, he's just another uh, a bulk innings guy, and you need those guys early on. You need, you know, because none of these guys are really stretched out, so you need him, you need Logan Allen, you need, you know, possibly Eli Morgan to make it through April. That's why they have a 28-man roster with the short spring, but um, – you know, those guys, Logan Allen doesn't have options. Like like you said, Hench has got the fourth option. Logan Allen has none, so I think that helps him. Um, the bullpen, I mean, there's not a lot of pitchers in the 40-man roster. I mean, like we talked about Vargas, and they had to move Cody Morris to the 60 IL, which is something they don't normally want to do to create a roster spot. But, um, you know, he was going to be out a long time anyway. But at the same time, you know, you're starting his major league clock and he's older, so maybe it doesn't matter as much. That's a, that's another issue we get into that, uh, you know, Morris's health and his future is definitely a problem now. But, yeah, that's, uh, you that's know, he's... What, four injuries? Four shoulder injuries, I'm counting? Well, you'll see. You've got Tommy John when he was in college at South Carolina. You've got, I think he had, didn't he have a, a shoulder issue? He had a, a lat issue. He had a lat issue when he was drafted and set out his draft season. Um, he had a, what was it, a shoulder soreness last year? I think even the year before he had missed some time with shoulder soreness. It's either the third or the fourth injury to that shoulder. Um, so that's screaming red flags to me. I don't see him as a starting option anymore. Um, I think it was let's hope for the best and try to keep him as a starter. Now I think he's a two-inning relief pitcher and could be a quite dominant one at that. Uh, we're talking potential high setup man with the stuff that he has, assuming he comes back at the uh, capacity and level he was as a starter. Yeah. Performance wise, I definitely am concerned that he's going to have to be a reliever now. I just think that, um, I, I just don't know how you handle, I mean, the roster spot is now dead for as long as he's out. Um, fortunately, I mean, he is on the 60, so he's not counting against the 40 man roster. Um, it just, it hurts because they've kind of backfilled these two spots that they've vacated anyways. And, you know, like I said, I think Brad Zimmer is the first and easiest cut, but I got him as the 27th man um, in part due to injuries and some of the guys who are just not going to be playing. Uh, that's Freeman and Jones. Then you have Arias, Tana, Noel, Rocchio that are all tying up roster spots. Um, it's suddenly gotten a lot more complicated. Then you have a guy like Richie Palacios that who can play outfield. He can play second base, but you already have, I, I've got four guys, kind of five, you know, plotted into my outfield spots right now, which is Josh Naylor, Oscar Mercado, Miles Straw, and uh, Stephen Kwan. And then with Rosario flipping back and forth between shortstop and, and left field, which I don't think is good. Um, for a lot of reasons, I don't want to see him going back and forth there. I'd rather they just one or the other and stick with, stick with the decision. Um, but it looks like they're probably going to bounce him back and forth and kind of have a platoon out and left. And then maybe a platoon of sorts at shortstop. I don't like having a platoon at a lot of different positions. Um, I'd prefer a stable player at each position, but Hey, I mean, they're, 
kind of give us some young players time and see what they have. That's pretty evident at this point. To me, the thing that might, makes the most sense to do is try to flip one of these middle infielders right now for a reliever, if at all possible. But, you know, it, it doesn't seem like they're active at all on, on any fronts other than possibly talking about an extension that I won't get into right now. Yeah. Uh, if you're watching us live, sorry for the technical difficulties. My my screen is frozen. I don't know what's going on with our recording device. It's uh, It likes Willie, but doesn't like my face. My camera is just not responding right now. So um, It's okay. That's not a bad picture of you. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like my it's mouth was open and I was laughing or, or doing something goofy. So uh, it could be worse. I can just find a new picture to put for myself. Um yeah, I, I mean, it's just so weird. Like, clearly, they, they put themselves in this position to make some trades or do something. And look, you can't force other teams to make to deal guys. You can't force, you know, the the race to deal Austin Meadows. You can't force the Reds to decide that um, they want to trade Jesse Winker on his own instead of um, attaching his contract or attaching Eugenio Suarez's contract. You can't force those things to happen. So I understand that, but it's just so weird that they, and I saw someone there, I heard someone the other day say, well, who cares about the rule five draft and, um, you know, other teams made it happen. It's like, you know what? They, they could not have known that this was the way this was going to happen. They could have not have, they, there's no way the front office could have known how that was going to play out. They protected the guys they thought they had to, to protect themselves from that. And now they're in a tough position and I'm not going to fault them for that, but I, I think that, you know, we, we talk about this all the time, Willie, is that the, t- the front office is very methodical and they don't brush decisions. They set their value on certain players and trades and prices and they don't ever move them. Once they set a value, they don't change it unless they have new information to change it. So they're already hard to trade with in, in the first place. I think this accelerated offseason made it harder um, and it didn't, you know, they weren't going to change their process for a very unusual off season slash spring training. That's this temporary. That's not going to happen again. They're not going to change. They're not going to change the course of the, of their, their franchise and their decision-making process for a temporary situation, but it's left them with a very stretched roster and a very bad situation for the team and the fans because they have holes in the roster and they have a good bunch of prospects on the 40 man but the only guys that are really going to help you this year are possibly, you know, Stephen Kwan and it was going to be Cody Morris and, and Richie Palacios possibly. And um, maybe Tobias Myers and uh, Eli Morgan and Connor Pilkington. Those, all those guys could have helped you this year, but the rest of them, you know, your Brian Rocchio's, your George Valera's, your Jenkinsy Noel's, your Jose Tana's, uh, Carlos Vargas. Those guys are not going to help you this year. And you're stuck because you can't DFA them. The only guys you can DFA now are uh, Yu Chang, who's out of options, Logan Allen. They're not going to DFA Sam Henches now because Sam Henches has an extra option. So they don't have to now. But um, you just don't have a lot of room to create roster spots for the guys you need. Like, you know, you've talked about Aniel De Los Santos and um, some other relievers they might need to get them through the year on the 40. Well, it's like, how do they create that roster spot? How do they create a roster spot to add Sandy Leone now with Luke Lee on the roster, but he's not out long enough to go to the 60, you know, do you force him out of the 60 and then deal with it? Um, it's just a very strange spot. It's very frustrating that they haven't been able to make any moves. And 
Um, obviously, like you mentioned, Bradley Zimmer is one way to create a roster spot. I, I think he's pretty close to be. I, I would not be surprised if Bradley Zimmer is not on this roster come opening day. Yeah, I, I think um, I think he's as good as gone. Um, I wanted to just chime in on the twenty-eight man roster too. This twenty-eight man roster lets fringe players last longer, so to speak. So if you think for the next month, teams are going to be able to carry guys that they would have had to make a decision on right away. And that's not to the benefit of Cleveland in this regard, because if you were, for instance, wanting to be able to pick up someone that, um, you know, you you can keep short term on your roster. They're just going to be kind of roster filler for a few weeks and then be able to cut them and hopefully get them down into AAA and keep them within your organization. Cleveland did that with some depth catchers last year. Um, But, you know, this year they're not going to have that opportunity for about a month. And then by then injuries will have taken hold and ineffectiveness and teams will will be able to make a move easier because, you know, they'll have injuries and stuff already built into it, so to speak. Um, I I think the simplest solution besides getting rid of Zimmer and Hey, I've been a Brad Zimmer for a long time. I bought a Mahoning Valley helmet years ago with his autograph on it. Um, so I, I've liked Brad Zimmer over the years, thought he would be much more than he has been. Now I say it's time to cut bait move on, go with what you've got. Let some of the younger guys play, especially Stephen Kwan. Um, love to see him get more talk. I know you're really high on him. Um, he stood out when I was uh, video scouting Alex Call for our write-ups. Um, Stephen Kwan is the one player that I was really impressed with most. And I came back talking to you about, man, I, I really like the loft in his swing and how straight up and down he is. Um, and what that creates for him and his ability to put the bat on the ball, I think his power will play up just with the loft and his ability to make contact. Um, but I, I think there's another way to do it. When you have Arias, Tina, Rocchio, and Palacios, you know, waiting in the wings, so to speak, um, guys that are really middle infielders. Palacios belongs at second base. I'm not going to. I'm not going to, you know, make a big deal out of it. Yes, he can play left field. Yes, he can play center field. He belongs at second base. He's a second baseman who better fits there. Um, the best fit for him or maybe a different player, maybe be outside of the organization in exchange for somebody controllable, like a reliever, like Lou Trevino or something like that. Uh, so there, let's make a trade. <laughs> yeah. If only it were that easy. You know, again, like you said, you can't make the other team make that sort of deal, but Sometimes um, necessity brings it about. Sometimes injuries, and, and I don't know if Cleveland's hoped for that or or what Cleveland has worked on. Uh, you mentioned Eniel De Los Santos. Um, other people have said Jake Jewell should have an opportunity to make the or the um, bullpen. I'm sitting here counting out right now. I've wrote them all down on a piece of paper, so I have it tangibly right in front of me. But Class A, Stefan, Shaw, Allen, Henches. Morgan, Pilkington, and Myers. That's not enough depth for the pitching staff to start the season with. When you have Vargas and Morris on the DL, or, or I'm sorry, the IL already, um, you know, you ideally would like to add one of those guys, but are you adding Leon? If you're adding Leon, 
over uh, La Bastida, then yeah, of course. Um, I, I think, like I said, if you make two moves, you can add a pitcher, and one of the other moves would be dumping Brad Zimmer, which I'm perfectly fine with doing. Yeah, I, I think Zimmer's got to be the one of those guys that's going to create a roster spot for sure. Um, I'll agree with you on Palacios because I think that um, I think the bat plays better. It's like I think he's fine as an outfielder defensively, but I yeah, think you're right. I think right the, his ability more. Uh, where where does he have more value at? Yeah, it's definitely second base without a doubt. The bat the bat just plays better there. You know, he's not a guy with a lot of power and. And um, the on-base ability, all that just fits better at second base, really. It's just, you know, he doesn't have a spot there because of, of there are other guys in the organization that they need to, to figure out. And that, that's the whole thing with this is, you know, they didn't get a look at Yu Chang very long last year. They tried to start, uh I guess bringing back Cesar Hernandez in a way did not work out for them. I mean, I was okay with it when they did it because I thought it was going to make them a better club last year and, and they weren't better for it record wise. Uh, you know, he, if I, if he could have repeated what he did in 2020 and granted that was a short sample size, they would have been much better off than they were, but he struggled. I know he hit more home runs, but uh, he wasn't the same defensively and he had a lower on base percentage and they needed that OPP out of him. Um, you know, they brought up Owen Miller for a stint last year and he did not, um, play very well in his short, in his short look, unfortunately. And now they're still not sure about him. And and, and here's the thing with Yu Chang too, is that he had a good second half, but it's mostly buoyed by a good August where he had an 871 slugging percentage and that slugging percentage was, was 871, but he had a 58% ground ball rate in August. That's not gonna. That's not gonna carry you. You cannot hit the ball on the ground fifty-eight percent of the time and expect to slug over eight hundred. And that's what kind of drove his profile in the second half last year. Kind of drove his breakout. I don't think that's sustainable. And he's having a good spring, you know. And, but he had a good spring last year. And um, one of the things you mentioned was talking about spring training stats. That that stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't. You know, you don't want to have a guy who's walking a batter every inning or two batters an inning or whatever it is. But for the most part, spring training stats, just, I mean, Logan Allen last year, think about that. Logan Allen was great last spring. Look what happened to him. He was terrible in the regular season. The, the wheels came off. It was an indication that he'd made some developments and those developments didn't stick. Unfortunately. Um, I, I did forget to mention Anthony ghost and, and Nick Sandlin, who I'm pretty well sure Sandlin is going to start the season on the IL. Um, he, mm-hmm. he, and I don't know because I haven't confirmed it anywhere, but he was supposed to pitch in a minor league game yesterday. Um, ghosts would give them 14 pitchers. So your only roster move to me, and it depends on Palacios. Does he make the team or not? You know, do they want to go with a, that extra infielder outfielder? Um, I don't see giving a guy like Palacios, uh, roster time when you're bouncing, Chang and Miller and Bradley and Naylor and Mercado and Quan and, and all of these, even Ernie Clement and Rosario moving from one spot to another. Um, there's a lot of flexibility with the roster because a lot of guys can play more than one position, which is great. But at the same time, you know, I, I do think that you need to have some sort of continuity. Um, pitchers need to know who's out in left field, whether they can trust them or not, you know, um, <laughs> 
like I said, uh, not knowing what's up with Sandlin and him only pitching his first game yesterday, he's already behind. So he has to, in my mind, go on the IL to start the season. Um, I thought that they may do that with Naylor just to to play it safe with him. Um, but at this point, I'm guessing that's not the the path. No, I think I think Naylor might be ready. I think they might you might get Naylor back to start the season. He's playing today, and he had a double in his first at bat. Nice. Um, yeah, so that that's good. Um, some of the minor league guys are, are starting to play every day, so I don't know. I mean, that extra 28-man roster helps because, like you said, you can carry an extra outfielder, and potentially you don't have to play Naylor every day as he's coming back. If he's not ready to play back-to-back days or uh, needs a day off and you, you know, you're not stretched for a roster spot in April – you kind of have that buffer built in with him where you can sit him and play somebody else until he's ready. And then come May, when it goes back to 26, you have some time to build him up during the season. If you think he's really going to help you and you, know, you might as well, cause it's not like your options are that great. I mean, it's, you know, Quan, you know, Quan's the best guy besides straw to put out there, you know, Rosario rotating and, you know, this is the second year they've tried to put him in the outfield. I hope they stick with it longer than they did last year because it was a disaster and they didn't do it till late. I don't know. The whole thing, the whole thing, that whole thing is weird. But the, the question, too, is going to be how long of a leash do you give these guys? You know, if, if Chang is your second baseman to start the year and Owen Miller's there and Ernie Clement's there and you know all these pitchers, I don't know. They're, they've just backed themselves into such a corner and. I don't know. It's so hard. I mean, I think you send Clement back to AAA, even though he's your best utility infielder. But I don't know how you can fit you can fit him on the roster with with Rosario and Chang and Miller, or maybe you have to decide between Miller and Clement. But I think you need to see Miller because I think you know what Clement is. Yeah, I'm. So, but I'm. I'm looking. How do you at balance playing too. time? How do you, How do you balance playing time if you have? If you have Miller and Chang on the roster, both those guys need at bats. I don't see how you can, unless you're moving Chang to second base against or first base against lefties, and that's the only time Miller plays. But even then, that doesn't give you a whole lot of starts. Yeah, and I'm looking at the roster too. Uh, you know, like I said, I wrote it down from memory. Out, you know, so I don't remember everything. But uh, <laughs> obviously, I forgot Ghost, and I just assume Sandlin's going to start on the IL. Um, as I said, Zimmer is the only clear-cut roster move that you can make to add Leon. Uh, and then after that, once you do have to cut down, let's hope that they're healthy and you're able to just option guys instead of have to replace somebody that's been injured. Um, I, I think you're right. I, I do think that positional flexibility comes into play with a lot of these guys. I don't like the fact that some of them are able to play numerous positions, but they're not really great at one or the other. Seems like sometimes players are miscast. Uh, Naylor, as an example, he's not an outfielder. He belongs at first base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just like I said, I just don't know how you shoehorn all these guys onto the roster because, like you said, now Sandlin's out. So your bullpen is what? It's it's Class uh, A. Karen Chak's already out. So Class A, Ghost, Henches, I guess Logan Allen. Um, you have Brian Shaw. You have Trevor Stephan. I just don't know how you make room. That's the hardest mm-hmm. part. You're gonna, they're gonna have to. If Luke Maley's not ready to play, I don't know. People keep saying, "Well, play, play Brian Lavastida." 
I, I don't think you can do that. Like Lavastida's already, already. I mean, he was a fast mover last year, right? He went from high A and he played a couple yeah. games in Triple A when they needed to last year. I don't, I don't see how you can put him in, in the major leagues because a he needs to play every day, mm-hmm. and b when he does play, he's probably not quite ready. You know how how this organization is very committed to having a, a defense first catcher. He is not a defense first catcher, not right now. And I don't see how that a improves by playing twice a week uh, for uh, you know however long Luke Maley is out, and it does it's not good for his development to sit five days a week right now. He's got to play and it's got to be in triple a that's not beneficial to his development. I know people keep saying, let the kids play. This is not one of the kids that is, that is ready right now. Not, not the way that he needs to be. And it, it doesn't help his development to sit for five days on the major league roster. It's just that doesn't, doesn't work that way. So they're going to have to find a way to get him on the roster. Um, they're going to have to replace Sandlin. Who knows how long he's out for. They've they've created a lot of mess for themselves. They really have. I don't. I mean, I don't know how I they mean, dig themselves out of it. Uh, I think honestly, looking at it, it, the clear path to me is removing Zimmer. From there, that creates a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of Freeman. You can add Leon as your backup catcher, send Lavastida down, and then you still can ride with a bullpen. Um, depending on how many guys they want in the bullpen, but Class A: Stefan, Shaw, Allen, Henches. Let me see. I'll count. We'll we'll say they'll go with 14 pitchers, so five starters and nine relievers, since it's going to be a 28 man, man roster. So Class A is one, Stefan two, Shaw is three, Allen four, Henches five, Morgan six, uh, Ghost seven, Myers eight, and Pilkington would be nine. That would give them 14 pitchers on the on their active roster. And that's with Vargas, Morris, and Sandlin all on the injured list. Well, is Sandlin on the 60-day IL in your mind? Because that, if he's on the 60, then you're missing him for, you know, you're missing him for two months. Is he out for two months? Yeah, possibly. You know, I don't know because if he pitched yesterday, is he just now building back? But this, this was his first minor league game. So if you put well, he's him been throwing 60, bullpens. He's, he's, he's been throwing bullpens, so he's not – He's not starting from scratch, I don't think. No, I didn't take it that way either. But, you know, we've not really heard a whole lot about him. Um, I think you could possibly put him on the 60 and then go retro back to um, the opening day of camp, which will give you probably another 30 days or so of him on the injury list and buy a roster spot for them. I'm surprised they didn't take that path with Naylor, but it's pretty evident that Naylor – Looks ready. I think what you said earlier is a great idea, which is playing him every other day instead of every day. Um, fortunately, Oscar Mercado has seemed to found a little bit of a stroke at, at the dish. And again, I want to tamp down spring training stats, uh, but at least he's making contact. <laughs> Something. I mean, it it sounds like hard contact. If you if you watch the video of his home run, the the it sounds like he made hard contact. That matters, you know. I don't yeah, know who it was and, off of, but at least that's a good sign. He uh, spent the entire winter working with a new hitting coach from the Cubs, and I'm not even going to attempt to slaughter his name. I'll let you do that. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, it wasn't Chris Valeka. We know that because he couldn't. <laughs> That's the hard, other hard part about this is he couldn't do any of that. All right. Well, I think we have, you know, Rosario is going to play some left field. 
I still think this gives Stephen Kwan a good chance to open the season in in Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, you could I, open I a, a ro- yeah, I, you could open a roster spot somehow by getting rid of of Zimmer because look, if you have Straw in center and you have Naylor and you have Mercado and you have Rosario and you have Kwan, that's already five outfielders. I don't think you need Bradley Zimmer. Do you need six outfielders? That creates a roster spot for you. Um, I think they're going to have to go ahead and IL. Luke Maley, I know that it's a three to four week injury, but look, I mean, or you might even IL James Karen check. I know that he was, he, he's his, his terrace major strain isn't as bad as, as, um, you know, Mike Clevenger's or, um, James care, or, um, I should say Cody Morris's, but you know, you might, I, I, IL him because look, look, you can retroactively do that for him too and buy some time. You might have to do that and make the. They're going to have to punt some of these decisions to to late April to early May, just to create the roster spots. But look, you you can open those spots and get it done. And one of them is going to have to be similar. I don't see how you can carry six outfielders. Don't. The other thing you other thing you're going to say is is you send Quan back to AAA and you keep Zimmer, which is just a bad look. It's a bad look. In the the ideal situation, before opening day, is to pull off a trade. You know, either that be an outfielder or a catcher in separate players or even for a reliever. Uh, you know, if they could trade two people for a reliever, you know, somebody that would be a high-impact arm for the bullpen, that would be huge for them, and that would clear a roster spot. Um, let's assume Zimmer is one that puts you at 39. You have to add one, then that's Leon. And I think when Mail Maley or Mail, whatever his name is, whenever he comes back, you know, DFA, Leon. Well, you d- yeah. And that's not an issue. That's a wash. I don't think it's the easy decision is to trade Zimmer for cash or a, a low A ball prospect uh, similar to the junior Caminero deal. Trade Zimmer for, for a player down in A ball in the DSL or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. An 18 year old kid or something like that, that, you know, you're not going to worry about rostering in a few for a few years. Hopefully that has plenty of upside too. That would be the route that I would go with this right now. That's the easiest way, the easiest path, I think. Um, and you're seeing a little bit of movement on other organizations' rosters right now where the Red Sox cut Jason Rosario, um, an outfielder that they had got from the Royals in a trade a few years ago. Um, even with Philadelphia dumping um, – well, they didn't dump, but they traded Adam Hazley to the White Sox, and the White Sox turned around and – designated for assignment uh, Blake Rutherford, who was a, a high draft pick for them a few years ago. Well, no, for the Yankees a few years ago. Hmm. Yeah, he was part of that. Uh, it was the Todd Frazier trade. Yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah, I think you're going to have to go out and find somebody to add. I mean, you could add, like you said, Dillson. I think I think ILing uh, Sandlin for 60 days might have to happen because, you know, you can, like you said, you can backdate it and give him time to build up. But here's the problem with doing all that is like Sandlin was arguably the second best pitcher in the bullpen behind Class A, and he's already hurt. You know, you're relying on Shaw and Ghost and Henches and Trevor Steffen. It's like, man, this is this bullpen. The bullpen was already on shaky ground with, you know, Karen Shack. We weren't sure how he was going to come back after having yeah. a bad second half after the, you know, the substance thing. And, um, Anthony goes, doesn't have a lot of experience and that was kind of your entire bullpen. You know, Brian Shaw was good for the first half last year. He fell apart in the second half. 
your bullpen was on shaky ground with Nick Sandlin. Now you don't have him. Now you don't have James Karinchak. Well, we don't know how long Sandlin will be out for, but there's a chance he could be ready for opening day. I don't know. I think maybe not, but we'll see. There's only a week left in camp, but yeah, it's a it's a possibility. He might be ready that first week, and and you just carry him, and it's a dead spot for five days or something like that. I don't think that's an ideal. Um, I think you want to get him healthy, put him on the put him on the 15 day IL, and you know retro to whenever it happened. I wouldn't put him on the 60 for it. I would put Sandlin on the 60 though, uh, just with the arm history or the injury of arm injury with him. Um, I would play it a little bit extra cautious. Of course, Krimchak did have the uh, shoulder inflammation in college. Part of the reason that, um, you know, he, he dropped down boards because he was an excellent starter at one point in time in his career and never really projected as a starting pitcher, but that was the onset of his move to the bullpen, uh, having that shoulder injury when he was in college. Now we're, here we are with another shoulder injury with him, you know, injured pitchers get injured again. Yeah. As baseball America study seems to have proven correct. Um, it just happens. It's nobody's meant to throw a ball 95, 98 miles an hour hard. And I, I think that it, it's an awkward thing to do and um, injuries are a result of it. it. It does seem like maybe it's just recency bias, but I feel like going back to the Clevenger and class a thing and, now Cody Morris and James Karinchak, they've had a lot of terrorist major strains. I don't know if it's something that's going on here, if other people are having that as much, but I feel like they've had quite a few. I know Francona said something there in a press conference about um, if they are doing something they could they need to change, why that keeps happening. But that's definitely yeah, a concern. I don't but know those are all guys who have been injuries before. It could be. Yeah. But th- like you said, those are all guys who have had injuries in the past. Cody Morris yeah. has been injured before. Clevenger has been injured before. Um, Karen check. Now those guys have all had injuries in the past. So this is not like it's a, a new thing. I don't know. Um, I don't even, honestly, I don't even remember what Sandlin's injury is at this point. I know he at one point had broke that ulna bone and had it, uh, had a steel plate placed in it, in his elbow, which is essentially a small piece of metal and some screws to fasten the bone back together again. Um, that was that the forearm was, thing what, last year or two years. I'm sorry, it 2019. Was a forearm strain. Yeah, it was 2019. It was a forearm. Yeah, I think that's when that he had the sh- put in the put in the elbow, and then last year may have been like a forearm strain or something to the effect. Yeah, I'm not sure. Either way, it's not great, and I was already concerned about him to begin with, which is unfortunate because they really need him, and he really looked good last year. Oh yeah, he was dangerous, but when I he was. was he was, but I was already concerned. I was already concerned about his health going into this year and, and lo and behold, here we are. So they, I mean, they're already on thin ice with the uh, rotation all being hurt last year and not having a great lineup to start with. And the bullpen is already is now a shaky position. That's why I'm really concerned about going into this year. And people keep saying there's two arguments. There's a lot of people who think this team is going to be terrible because they didn't add anything. And then there's people who think that they're going to be terrible because, um, or the, not terrible. I think they're going to be good because they had all the rotation wiped out by injuries at points last year and Tristan McKenzie's ineffectiveness. And you lost Framil Reyes for, you know, six weeks last year, whatever it was. And they were still 1882. And I can see that. But at the same time, 
they didn't add anything, injuries are still going to happen. You can't just say, well, if they're healthy, they'll be good. I'm sorry. Injuries always happen. We're already seeing it, and it was a short in spring training. You can't count on health being uh, getting lucky in the health department. That's why you need to have depth, and they don't really have it in, in terms of proven depth. They have some potential depth. But we're already in April talking about how they already have these issues. So it's, or it's not even April. Yet. I'm sorry, it's still March. So this is a really, I don't know. They're on they're on thin ice with a lot of these roster spots and have the roster construction, and they've got to make some some moves to free up some roster spots and start to look at guys. And um, yeah, it's just really concerning. Uh, are you ready to talk about? the other elephant in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that elephant. Okay. So uh, I don't like giving a lot of credence for, with, for, um, or to unverified Twitter rumors. I'm just not a fan of this. I think, being said, to, I think sometimes you have to acknowledge stuff. I do this a lot at work is I'll acknowledge what's going on um, and talk directly about it uh, and try to lower um, expectations sometimes because I think that's the reality of the matter is sometimes you need to address it, talk about it because it's there. A lot of people are seeing it or aware of it already. Um, let's talk about reality too. So that being said, yeah. I'll leave you, leave you to to saying what you were saying now that I've premised it. Yeah. So here, I'm going to show it on the screen here. This is, uh, this is from today. This is from Mike Rodriguez at Univision. He is a um, Cubs insider for Univision. He's a broadcaster. Um, a new contract extension is coming for Jose Ramirez from Cleveland. We'll be waiting for this good news. Followed closely. Um, if you don't know who that is, um, he, He's broken some other news, so he's not verified or anything on, on Twitter, uh, but he is a broadcaster, an analyst, an MLB insider for the Cubs and the White Sox for Univision Sports, which is, you know, is the Spanish broadcast for a lot of sports um, in, in the U.S. and, and uh, some Latin countries. He has previously broken some other stories. Let me see if I can find this week because somebody put them together as well. Um, it was our CLA Guardians put a couple of these together, so I'll, I'll also um, include that in the screen in a second here. But, yeah, he's saying, and he wasn't the first really to pick this up. There's been a couple other people who have been saying that there's a um, – we know there's been talks. And here you go. This is a couple of his things. So uh, he had a Hansel Robust deal a few weeks ago. Um, last year he had Pedro Stroke to the Cubs. He had uh, Javier Baez, his, uh, I think it was arbitration last year with the Cubs, and Jose Iglesias to the Rockies earlier this offseason. He also had Jorge Soler uh, going to the Marlins, and he also had Trevor Story going to the Red Sox. And I know Ken Rosenthal credited him for the Kettle Marte extension lose last week, or earlier this week. So he's gotten some things right. Uh, I, I did go through his tweets, his Twitter history to kind of look at see what else he had. And um, 
I think he had Johnny Cueto to the Twins a few weeks ago that never materialized. They ended up signing Chris Archer yesterday. So this guy's had some hits. He's had some misses. Supposedly, uh, we know that that Jose's agent and the team have been talking. We know they, they have had discussions. I don't know. I'm not discounting this guy's work. I think I'm more discounting where the information's coming from. You know, we, we know that the, the organization is so tight-lipped about what they do. And this is why a couple, you know, we've seen the Jack Peterson connection and the, being involved in the Matt Olson trade rumors and nothing happened. You know, this goes back to the Trevor Bauer and Mike and the, and the Corey Kluber trade um, rumors that happened years ago that never materialized until the day they happened. Like, I feel like there was never, when those trades finally happened, Willie, they just happened. There was no like build up, no smoke. Um, a lot of the rumors I'm talking about came the off season before, right? And they never happened. They went into the season with both those guys, except for Kluber happened in the, in the winter of 2020 before the pandemic, or I'm sorry, 2019. Um, that's my only thing is where, where is the source of the information? Like I trust, you know, Andre not, I trust Zach Meisel. I trust Paul Hoyne to a, an extent. Um, is there a common theme as far as agents go there? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't believe so. I, I think I, that I would be one thing worth looking into. Um, I looked to Kel Marte just to check, and he is not under – he does not yes. have the same agent as Jose Ramirez. Sure. So, um, you know, where does the information come from is my question because if, if it's not come from Cleveland's side. Yeah, and, and why would Jose want to leak that information at this point? I don't know. Maybe he said something to someone in confidence. Um, I – there's several of those tweets out there and you and I talked about context a little bit as we messaged back and forth this morning. Um, I, I do think it is important that, you know, that it says that they're negotiating a deal in, in a couple of those that there's a, that one specifically says that he is expected to sign. Um, I am always skeptical unless it says Jeff Passan or Ken Rosenthal until it comes from one of them, um, Correct. I don't feel like it's a credible source. I think it's a possibility. I think that's probably the best way to put that. And I don't doubt um, this gentleman. I, I don't know his name. Don't doubt he heard some information somewhere. Somebody told him. I don't think he's drumming it up. I, I do think he is getting some information from somewhere uh, to be right so often on several of the players. Um, definitely some information coming there. Maybe this is a player or two trying to help out a friend, um, somebody in their home country that they want to see become a more relevant news person. Um, I hope it's that. And this, is, this guy is absolutely dead on. And uh, hopefully he'll break us the numbers here soon. Yeah, for sure. You want to hope uh, on this, don't you? I mean, it's what Carl, but Carlos Baer has already said this offseason that. Jose was going to be traded to the Blue Jays and he had Freddie Freeman to the Blue Jays and he had, a, but he had a bunch of other stuff. Like some of these guys have moves, like they throw the move out and they think they have a rumor and they, and they say, it, and they're correct. But you know, Bayerga had a bunch of signings this year, uh, especially Blue Jays moves. I think he had the Matt Chapman deal first. Um, and I saw Ken Rosenthal credit him, but at the same time, he also had 
Freddie Freeman of the Blue Jays. That didn't happen. So um, I'm we like, again, I'm not questioning that. <laughs> if we had him yeah. on the Guardians. Yeah, um, he had he had the, the information of someone's hitting coach. Um yeah, his dad. again, yeah. I I just <laughs> I just question where it's coming from. Yeah. If you have a dad in the organization, I guess it's really easy, but I just question where it's coming from and um I would not run with this with any confidence whatsoever right now. I mean, I'm not saying the guy's not credible. He might not be right, and that's fine. If he's right, great. But you know, the, the best thing about journalism is it's not about who's first. It's who's right. Um, being first is leads to inaccuracies because people rush to be first on things. Um, and that's how a lot of these things operate, especially in sports. And it needs to stop. And I'm not saying this guy's done that, but um, there's a reason that the Ken Rosenthal's and the Jeff Passons are trusted because even if they're not first, they're always right. And then, Sometimes they are first and they're right, but they always make sure they're right before they go with it. Yep. Very, very, I can't remember all at any time where Jeff Passon's been like totally wrong on something. John Heyman's been wrong. John Morosi, we know, has been wrong plenty of times. Uh, I think Ken Rosenthal's track record is much better now that he's not uh, bogged down by the rules of MLB Network, but there's a reason those guys are trusted, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're not, they're not trying to be first. They're trying to be right. So I, I, I'm i just saying, don't get your hopes over this tweet. Let's see. And it, I think, you know, I think it bodes well that there's no smoke. If I would have heard a tweet from Ken Rosenthal or John Morosi saying, oh, Cleveland's negotiating it's... with Jose Ramirez on a contract extension, I would I would actually distrust that more. So I guess if you want to if you want to feel good about something, there is no smoke. I mean, you can count Andre Nod and Paul Hoynes as that, but those are local and not national. Yes. And that's where I was going to go with this is there's been no smoke on the national scene until MLB trade rumors brought attention to it. Um, yesterday, you no, know, points, what, right. what I have seen are tweets of today's a good day for the blue Jays to trade for Jose Ramirez. I've seen that every single day for the, I don't know how many months now ad nauseum, you know, I could go. And now giant stands are getting in on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to have a talk with a friend. <laughs> Giants fans think they're gonna trade for Jose Ramirez now. Yeah, I'll have to break it to him. Sorry, buddy. He's, <laughs> he's going to the Rays. Yeah, he's going to Tampa Bay. Yeah, there's some people that thought that Tampa Bay was gonna was gonna get him too. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. My like I said, I'm I'm just I'm not buying into this thing. Like you said, it's it is good that the only national thing we've seen is is. Uh, is that will be trade rumors. That's only because they picked up points and not really Andre not was the first one to have that. So we'll see, but I would not, uh, you know, I would not think any of this tweet. I, I will trust Andre knots on, on the ground relationships mm-hmm. over, and I'm not slighting Paul Hoynes in any way saying this over Paul's connections in Cleveland, big difference when you're on the ground and you see and hear and pick up things. than if you are, a few thousand miles away at home or in your office, wherever he works from. I don't know. Yeah. And I think the players have a good relationship, especially Jose with Andre. Yeah. So, and I, I wanted to say one more thing about this too, because I keep seeing tweets about this. People keep saying, Oh, well, are we going to ask the front office? Like Chris Antonetti had media availability the other day. And, and some people were asking, can you guys ask them what's going on with the Jose situation? Yeah, they can ask. 
Ask. What do you think they're going to say? What do, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, we're talking with Jose. We've offered eight years, two hundred million. Yeah, he just didn't accept it. That's what they did. With they, you know, that's that's how this is. This is different. Is they leaked that stuff about Lindor saying, "Oh, we offered a two hundred million dollar deal. He didn't take it. Maybe it did, but you know, he wasn't going to take it. So you offered it for the PR, and you knew it was sure. never going to be a good enough offer. But that's what that's how much you thought you were going to pay. And if he accepted it, great. And if not, you you could say you tried. That's the only good news is none of that's coming out out of this. If that would, if those not rumors started coming out, I'd be concerned. But no, in they're never going to say it. You're never going to get that reaction from them. This is why. What? This is why Meisel and Dre and none of them they, they ask the question, but they're just going to say, "Hey, we love Jose. We'd love to keep him around as long as yeah. we can. He's a great player." That's that's all they're going to say. So when you ask a reporter, "Hey, can we ask about this?" Just know a guy like Zach Meisel has asked this question to the right people off camera, on camera, off for, off the record, on the record multiple times. And the answer is we love Jose and we, we, we want to take the opportunity to extend our young players and our core and keep them together. Um, and, you know, we, we'd love to keep them for a long time and we're going to try to work on that. That's literally what you're going to get every time. Someone had an argument with Andrew Barry today about this, about saying, how he said anything about Baker Mayfield in the press conference. Well, it's because he's not going to divulge their plans and press conferences with GMs give you 99% of nothing. And you're going to move to the punter. Everybody knows that. What's that? They're going to move him to punter. Everybody knows that. Right. Exactly. You're, you're not going to get anything. So yes, if you, if you don't hear anything on Twitter, a quote from Antonetti about negotiations, it's not because the question hasn't been asked It's because people like Zach know the answer. It's going to be some generic, you know, run around answer that they're, that's going to have zero, zero um, substance to. You're left to kind of to take the little pieces from it to see what you can glean. That's why you don't see the quotes everywhere. So let me ask you a question. Um, since you have more of a journalism background than I do, by, by and far, um, how would you market a Jose Ramirez extension? From the team's perspective? From the team's perspective, how would you, from from today to opening day, what would be your process to build some excitement for this organization around a actual um, extension? I don't know. I mean, I know I know the obvious answer you're going to point to is the bobblehead, right? That's the first thing you're going to suggest. Uh, well, yes, we talked about that, but I, I think that's one way to draw attention to him. But how do you how do you employ this, so to speak? Let's say they've got a, a deal agreed to, and we know April seventh is opening day. What are you going to do to tell fans? How are you going to build that up? I'm not saying that they're doing that, but what are you going to do to build that up to generate some excitement around the player, the team, and eventually? get that to equate into merchandise sales and season ticket sales. Yeah, for sure. You've got the bobblehead. Um, I think from a press standpoint, you want to save that announcement. This is what, this is what they've done in the past. I think that's why that works is they, they had the Jason Kipnis, Michael Brantley and Jan Gomes contract extension press conferences at the same time on opening day, uh, the home opener that year. So, I think you want to be able to have that press con. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to have that press conference on the road in in Kansas no. City or in Goodyear. 
I think it makes the most sense to have that comp press conference in Cleveland uh, with reporters being allowed to be in person again and have it for opening day. And you, you know what? You have that off day. You have that Thursday off day before the home opener on the 15th. I think it's still an off day. I don't know. It may not be anymore with the way the schedule's changed. I have to look. But um, look, and, and the home opener is, is the 15th. It's a, it's the it's a night game. I think you want to have that press conference at home if it's going to happen. And Absolutely. I think that's the way you build it. Um, I, I do too. Does it leak in the meantime and you make it official? Um, oh, when this comes out, you know it's not going to be team side. The only way it comes out team side if the deal is done. That's when the deal's done. There's absolutely no way. Yeah, they're not going to leak a thing until they're ready for a press conference. Um, mm-hmm. And that's my point. I wanted your perspective on this because I think you have a little bit more insight with a journalism background and, and paying attention to what they've done in the past. I've, I've not. I'm like, let me focus on the draft already, Justin. I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> We're close to that. We are, I mean, no, you, you finished your uh, – you finished your um, – your exit survey for the prospect rankings. So you're, you're in draft mode now. That's right. Although I have to have you make your MLB season predictions. So that's, that's just fun. I thought it was just building and and feeding the organization (laughs) from the minor leagues. Well, there's a season for 20 other teams. Cleveland is sitting it out, as you know. Um, we're running up against it. I know you got to go, but let's. Do you want to get to some questions real quick, or do you got to run? Sure. No, I'm good. Okay. Let's get to let's get to our questions here to wrap this up. Um, our good buddy uh, Josh, uh, who actually wrote a really nice piece for us, Logan. On uh, the day we ran our Logan T. Allen scouting report, uh, he wrote a nice complimentary piece for us, looking at some statistical comp- comparisons for him and the miners, and that was actually really good. I found it very. Um, interesting. It's not usually a way I kind of look at things. So uh, if you haven't checked that out, go to guardiansbaseballinsider.com and, and check out the the piece from Josh. But he wanted to know, a uh, complicated question. If Chang plays second, it's worth two war. Uh, Andre Semenez is at short, worth two and a half war, and Rosario in left at two. I, I think I missed the rest of the question. Um, yeah. yeah. And, was- and Quan is in right with two war and a generally healthy rotation where are we at in comparison to last year? That's how he finished the question. Um, if everything is going that well, I'm going to guess around 90 wins. Yeah, if, you're, if your rotation last year is healthy and you're getting two and a half wins from um, Jimenez, two from Rosario, two from Chang, and two from Quan, you know, that's, that's already, um, what do we got? Two, four, six and a half, eight. Uh, eight and a half plus a healthy rotation. Yeah, I would say you're at least what 88, 90 wins with that. Uh, if you with all that right there, not to mention you know your usual production from Ramirez and um, and Reyes. Yeah, you might be at 85 to 90 wins. That I'd say 86 to 90, it would be my range. That's really good. Yeah, I don't know if that's re- if that's realistic, especially with um, don't say with it. how you bounce. With, well, I don't know. I just don't know how you get all those plate. How do you, how do you, that means that would mean their production's really good because you're talking about Jimenez playing short and Rosario playing left. And I don't think Juan's playing right, but that's, I mean, you've got to figure out how to make, make those at bats fit in your lineup. And that means that those guys are producing in not a full season of at bats. So that means that things are going really good. And I'm excited um, to see what Fran Mill can do in a, in a full season. Let's hope he's healthy. 
yeah, for sure a 40 home run season at least if he's healthy. Uh, one of our best fans, Chuck, who's always asking us when we're going to have our next podcast. I appreciate that. Uh, more warnings this year for Peyton Battenfield or Logan T. Allen. I'm I'm going to say Battenfield. Neither of them are on the roster. I don't know how in the world they're going to fit Battenfield on the roster, but if it's going to be anybody, it's going to be Battenfield, and it's going to be out of the bullpen. Yeah, Battenfield, because he has to be rostered um, this offseason, I would have to choose him. Uh, Allen still has another year. He wouldn't have to be rostered until next year. Um, two years, technically, I guess you could say. But, uh, you know, I, I Battenfield makes the most sense there to me. Yeah, I, I, those are two of my favorite pitchers in the system. I know Espino and, and, and Williams are fun, but those are two of my favorite pitchers in the system right now. And with the way the roster is constructed, they have to be forward thinking enough of um, what is, what's the next guy that we need to add. So I, I think assuming both of them are performing at a high level, you take the guy who has to be rostered next, which would be him. Yeah. Another good buddy of the podcast, John Furlong. Uh, when will Gabriel Iris make his major league debut? Well, they already set him down, so I'm going to say they got to stick with what they got until May, until the end of May, um, as far as what they've already decided to go with. So I'm going to say end of May. I was going to say June. So I think we're right both at the same timeline. Yeah. If you're going if you're going to commit to Jimenez and Chang and Miller and Rosario in some capacity. You can't pull that plug too soon unless you make a trade. So I'm going to say yeah, end of May, early June. Yeah, and, and I've and people have probably seen on Twitter. I've mentioned two players I would trade: Ahmed Rosario because he's not a natural fit. Um, he's an average ball player. His peaks and valleys, as far as his batting average, um, defensively, let's see what he is in left field. I don't know, but he's not your yeah. prototypical left fielder. He could be a lot better than what we've seen in Cleveland's outfield. There is that. Uh, at least he's athletic. He's fast. He has a good arm. Um, can he get underneath the ball and make plays? Is he going to make some wrong reads in left field? Yeah. Hopefully he picks up left field easier than he did center field. Uh, gifted, talented athlete. I'm just a little leery of his defensive capabilities out there, and I don't think his offensive um, – the lack of walks. Yeah, he's mostly a singles hitter. Yeah, he can hit for average when he's hot. You know, the, mm -hmm. I think his average is buoyed by a, a extremely hot August uh, where he hit in the 370s, I think. Um, but there were also a few months where he was down around 230, 240 or something like that. So, you know, what what player is he really? I think he's just an everyday average player, um, kind of without a position because he's not a very good shortstop. Truth is, he should probably be playing second base, and I don't understand why he hasn't been converted to second base in, in the path, past. Um, but Value. that <laughs> maybe that's, uh, I don't know, not, not here, not in this organization, not for a guy that's, going to make $5 million this year and is not part of the future because he only has two years of control. I know he's still relatively young, but he still only has two years of control left. So there's that. Yeah, he won't, he will not finish those two years. So we've talked about that in the past. Somebody asked us that question and we both agreed that he was not going to finish his tenure here. Uh, another loyal listener, Mike, Mark Leffel. If Jose signs a long-term deal with Roki only being a year away or so, 
Does right field make sense for Gabriel Arias and his can of a right arm? Uh, very much could. I mean, I, I feel like you'd waste some of the athleticism. Um, I don't know. I, I would be more apt to try Arias at short and input Rokio at second. Uh, I don't know what that means for the rest of the guys, but if Rokio is the long – I, I believe Rokio is the shortstop of the future, but if Arias proves that he deserves a, a shot on this roster, and, the, and it sounds like the organization's really enthralled with him right now, um, right now, I would more likely try Rokio at second and then go Arias at, at short. But um, yeah, the arm plays in, in right. Look, I think Arias can play anywhere on the diamond. He could play second, short, third, center, right. I, I don't think he'd be out of place anywhere. That guy is a gifted athlete. Yep. I, I agree. Um, I've thrown that out there in the past of moving him potentially to right field. Uh, that's something I would do. Um but I am first, I'm looking at moving Rokio over to second base and possibly moving a second baseman, whoever that may be. Um, that's knows, a cold glove infield right there. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's gonna, cool. there's not going to be a lot of balls to get by them. <laughs> Pitchers would love it if they keep the ball on the ground. Uh, VJ Goff, this is a bit of a long one. Um, I'm going to have to read this off the other one. Um, most likely open day scenario: A. Rosario and left, uh, Jimenez at short, Chang second, Miller, Bradley platoon at first, Naylor Mercado platoon, and, and Clement utility, or Quan Mercado and left, Rosario short, Jimenez second, Chang Bradley platoon at first, Naylor and right, Miller Miller utility. Um, I'm going to go B. I'm going to say. We're going to see Rosario in left, but I think you're going to see him play short still a little bit, and you'll see Jimenez at second and Chang and Bradley platoon first base. That's my guess. Yeah, I think oh, we also had a C with Zimmer in a corner, but I think Zimmer's going to be gone. Yeah, I think Zimmer's gone. Um, I think second base is going to be uh, up for grabs, kind of a rotational position most of the year um, until Arias probably comes up and, and takes shortstop and then. Jimenez moves over to second base and Chang and Miller probably rotate between first and second and get at bat still. And they want to keep them in the lineup. Want to see what they can do. Um, you know, Ahmed Rosario is kind of a, a weird fit for this roster. Again, you know, average player. Can he bring back an average bullpen arm? And I think he could bring back a, a pair of players um, does he have an Adam Frazier type of uh, value? And if so, is that going to equate into something that helps the organization right now when you have a Stephen Kwan, who, in my opinion, should probably be playing every day? I would rather play him every day in Palacios out and left and, and let Palacios get some at-bats and, and even move Kwan over to right field on occasion. Um, let Mercado be the fourth outfielder and kind of rotate guys that way. I think that's a better fit than having Ahmed, but that's my opinion. And, and frankly, I know some people don't like it because they're Ahmed fans, but, um, you know, hmm. fact of the matter is, is his tenure is short. I don't think he makes the year as a part of the organization. I think at some point in time and possibly or probably um, when there's the first injury at shortstop for a team, I suspect he may end up getting traded um, and opening up a roster spot for some of the younger players because he's not a long-term piece here. I agree. 
Aaron Bachman. Oh, this is another long one here. Um, <clears throat> prediction time. When Nolan Jones makes his first big league appearance, it will be A, Guardians first baseman, B, Guardians right fielder, C, Guardians third baseman, D, on a different team. Um, give me B, Guardians right fielder. I don't – I mean, it's either that or a different team. But he doesn't have a lot of trade value right now. He's not healthy. And um, – I, look, I, I think I think Nolan Jones, by the way, was today's prospect uh, scouting report from Pat. So if you haven't checked that out and you're an insider, go to guardiansbaseballinsider.com and take a look. Good scouting report from Pat on him. Um, you know, sign up for a subscription. Um, hasn't hasn't Will Benson appeared in more games at first base than Nolan Jones? I don't think Jones has appeared at first base yet. One game. He played one game at first base. Okay. Benz, Benson's only taking ground balls and practice. And, I don't know, practice, whatever you want to call it. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say right field. I'm not I don't think they're gonna trade him just yet. I think gotta play again first. Real, yeah, I think a trade is a real possibility. I think his ultimate position is probably gonna end up being first base. With this team, the way the roster is constructed right now, um I think right field is a real possibility unless they trade for an outfielder. So if I had to pick one of those. Uh, I would say right field and, and an eventual move to first base. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. Last question. <laughs> RDP says, does the team know morale? The fan base is extremely low. Uh, well, based on the yeah, fact that opening day is not sold out. Sales. <laughs> yeah. The open it. This will be, if they don't sell it, I, I, there look, there's, there's like 4,000 tickets left. Last I saw, um, they're going to announce opening day as a sellout based on that, but um, close enough. Fact, yeah. The, but the fact that opening day is not in years past, opening day usually sold out within like ten minutes. Like they would they would tweet ten minutes later that hey, opening day sale tickets are gone. Uh, the, the same day they went on sale. The fact that we're sitting here on a, on March thirty, on March 29th saying that the home opener is not sold out and that they're giving away an extra set of tickets to when you buy opening day tickets, you get another game free. Uh, that tells me that, that uh, they do realize that morale is a, is a pretty, pretty low point um, between the name change, the lockout and the lack of off season activity to, to drum up interest, I think is uh, definitely telling from that. So yeah, they're aware. It is what it is. I mean, they're not going to, like I said, they're not going to change their philosophy based on a different on a, a temporary, strange uh, off season. So it is what it is, and um, the name change is what it is, and you know, the lockout. The uh, everybody had to deal with that. They didn't. I don't. I think their process, like I said, their process didn't uh, allow them to do what they normally do. And uh, you know, here we are, Willie. <laughs> I think you did an excellent job kind of um, pointing this out the other day, but they haven't lost a trade chip yet. So everything, everything that they had to make a deal with on their roster is still within the organization. So I think that they are positioned well to be opportunistic. Um, and as you said the other day in our private you know, conversation, you pointed out um, that they still have, have all of the same players to make trades with and new players are going to become available. We know who's not available now, but we also know new players will become available. 
players that have appeared to be on the market but really weren't Brian Reynolds, cough, cough, um, may enter the market this summer. And I think if he does, they have the pieces to make that sort of deal. You know, I, I threw it out the other day. They have a they have a um, trade chip that nobody's really talked about, which is that comp A draft pick. That may not sound appealing in a, in a draft class with a lot of injured pitchers, but if you've been penalized a draft pick because you signed a free agent and you happen to like some of these guys and you want to add some more value to your draft class, um, you think that there's somebody that you can grab later in the draft and redistribute or repurpose some of that money attached to that draft pick, that's a pretty valuable commodity that you can trade either for a relief pitcher, for a package, for an outfielder, you know, an everyday guy. Um, maybe you can package it for an everyday better catcher, you know, go with a long-term catching upgrade. There's a lot of different scenarios there, but my point is that this, organization as much as the roster transition I'll call it has befuddled us as far as flexibility goes um they still got the guys they haven't dealt anyone they haven't lost anyone and there's a lot of talented middle infielders in this organization and pitching depth um definitely will encourage people to check out Gavin Williams piece check out Logan T Allen when it comes up I don't I don't know if that was Within the last couple of days, um, my eyes have turned toward the draft and I'm and I'm starting to gear up toward that and making myself more informed for that. So, um, Justin, you're aware of that. But, uh, you know, my my attention has been wanting to go toward that direction for a while now. So, yeah, we'll, um, we'll come back and we'll have a draft pot. We'll have a draft podcast. We'll talk. We'll talk about um, some players you're looking at and some players Cleveland fans should be. Yeah, and, and that's part of the reason the I have the prospect knowledge that I do is because I follow the draft so closely that I I know the guy from point A, essentially. You know, I've, some of these guys went to college after I'd been watching them in high school. Um, right. So it's kind of uh, familiarity just because I've been watching them for several years now. You, you see those guys. Um, it kind of helps me be able to gauge where guys are going to go in the draft and things like that, but I don't want to finish out the conversation on that. I, I do believe that they are still in a position to make deals. I think that they will look to be opportunistic. They're going to look and see what they have. If let's say there are a couple of games back in the AL central and pitching is healthy and one or two position players are injured or underperforming. Are they going to pay up so to speak? Because they have another crunch coming next winter or this coming winter when they have to add more talent to that roster that's already very tight. And there's some fringe players on there right now that I would say I would cut. You know, uh, maybe I'm thinking too far ahead, but there's a lot of guys, a lot of depth and a lot of talent in this organization that's going to need to be added to the roster. It doesn't make sense to trade Jose Ramirez for a bunch of prospects. That's not the right play right now. You sign him and you supplement the roster around him with a key player or two and let your other young guys develop as well. My opinion. I'll shut up with that. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I'm going to add at the end here is that I, I don't understand this. This could have been a whole other conversation, but we have to get out of here. Um, is that 
Chris Antonetti keeps the quote that keeps coming up is he keeps saying we're in position to add payroll to the 2022 roster. He keeps saying mm-hmm. 2022. He will not say anything beyond that. I don't know why, but to me that says something about the ownership. I think that says that I, there's some there's some rumors floating out there that um, the timeline of David Blitzer buying the team is, um, is speeding up in, in terms of majority shares. Um, yep. And that could be why that they have not announced um, his, his buy-in to the team because it may be more than just, you know, 35%. I don't know. Yep. We'll see. That just happens to be what's being whispered out there. I don't know how true that is and what's going to happen with that. But it, the, the fact that Anthony keeps saying, they're in position to add to 2022 and won't, won't commit anything longer than that. I don't know what that has to do with it, but we'll leave you off on that cliffhanger. We'll come back to that next week. We'll, uh, I think next week we're going to have you. I'm going to try to have Joe and whoever else might want to join us to do our season preview po- uh, podcast. And uh, then after that, you and I will get together on the draft, who to look for in the draft uh, from a Cleveland perspective. And then, after that, we'll be talking a lot of minor league baseball because the minor league season will have started. So uh, we're getting awfully close. I can't believe it. There's so much to do. Um, great time for you to subscribe to GuardiansBaseballInsider.com. Uh, Willie's draft content. Finish our our um, uh, our prospect rankings, scouting reports. You know that, that we're almost done there. We're up to number seven. So uh, or number six, I should say. So if you haven't. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want to read them all, now is the right time. And then we've got all these people covering Columbus. We've got people covering Akron. We've got people covering Lake County. We have somebody covering the Guardians for the first time since John Fanta. So uh, good time to subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. Give us a rating. Follow Willie on Twitter. Uh, W-I-L-L-H-O-O-9-9. Jail underscore baseball, official underscore CGBI, all that good stuff. Um, Willie, thanks for joining me. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.